Happy New Year, friends. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 45. 45. Wow. Of the Questions Podcast. We are just smart enough to be dangerous, full of spiritual minty freshness. And cold-blooded love. Well, we're about 10 hours away from a, a new month, a new year, a new decade. Happy New Year. 2020. 2020. We're coming into the 20s. Is where's the where's the flying cars and all that? You I know was what? Promised. So I was thinking the same thing. By the thing. Jetsons. By this time, we should have flying cars and a base on Mars. Instead, yeah. we have social media wars. Yeah. Amazon a, Prime. Yeah, and a machine that you know addictions. whatever you want comes out of the wall. And you know what else we don't have? What eggnog, Mark? It's gone. Yep. That's. Yep. I was in the store the other day looking. It was like a vast eggnog wasteland. There is a. Half a quart of eggnog in my fridge. I almost brought it to you today, but I figured my wife would probably be upset with me. Well, actually, we have... Nick was being proactive. He bought you some extras? He was out doing something for the worship team on Sunday. Uh-huh. And the very last gallon of eggnog... The Noggy well, half goodness. Gallon, half gallon of Noggy goodness was sitting there all by its lonesome, and he rescued it. It's like an eggnog rescue. That's what it was. There you go, just for you. Yeah. Just for you. Man. You know, another thing, you know, they say, you know, Alexa listens to you. She and does for all sure. This. I know that for sure. Siri does too. Yeah. They all are listening to us constantly. Well, I was a little aggravated because for some reason, Uh-oh. and I, I will find the culprit and they will pay, but I've been getting emails from WW and I, I opened it up and I'm like, who's WW? I'm getting these junk emails. Guess who it is? Huh? Weight Watchers. Weight Watchers. Yeah. I, I was, was going to give you another. Eye. I was going to give you another WW. What? I was looking at the list of 2019, which we are about to finish. We're about to close out the year, and um, some notable deaths in 2019. Warren Wiersbe. Oh, Warren really? Warren Wiersbe went to be with Jesus. When did he go to be with Jesus? A few months ago. Oh, wow. and also Norman Geisler. Norman Geisler, the theologian scholar. Yeah, he's yeah. written some good stuff. Well, they've Both earned it, man. Jesus. They've earned it. They're with Jesus. Right. They're, they're hanging with Jesus. out. I mean, they're gosh, how many times has Warren Wiersbe's commentary has been you know, I was ripped about off on a Saturday? Because his name is Warren W. Wiersbe, WWW. And there was a time before the WWW where pastors, instead of going to the WWW, the World Wide Web, they would go to the Warren W. Wiersbe to, to get their message. Now they just go to the www.google.com. I think they're going to the www.guzik.com. That's true, too. Some people <laughs> ripping off Google and Guzik. Yeah, they're all G's. It's all good. So, I mean, you know, he's no Dietrich Bonhoeffer, but... Uh, He's way better than Bonhoeffer. You know, hey. Better than Bonhoeffer. There you go. Yeah. Man. Craziness. uh, He texted me the other day that um, our last podcast was... um, He's still listening? Comedy Gold, he said. Oh. When we were talking about... The Christmas trees. Christmas trees are pagan, then you said, my wife... You were you were married to the witch, the of, witch Endor. of Endor. He said that's comedy gold. Well, there's a there's pretty funny. There there was a few Christmas trees in your house. Oh yeah. And I'm not judging. Double digits. This is not an unhealthy amount of Christmas trees. What would be an unhealthy amount of? Christmas well, I mean, trees? I don't know. I mean, you know, people are having pagan, you know, worshiping or something. You know, but we don't do that. But we had to pack it all up the other day. That is unhealthy. You could you could get glitter glitter inhalation. There was a lot of glitter, and and it actually we packed it up pretty quick and we reorganized some things. And uh, my my wife made a vow to not add any new clearance items because, you know, 
all the Christmassy stuff is oh, on clearance yeah. right now. Oh yeah, dare we say a New Year's resolution? I was she in made? I was in Target the other day, and um, this was I think last Saturday, so it wasn't the day after Christmas, but near enough. I was in Target and uh, they had all their Target minions, their Target minions in there, yeah, like breaking everything down, and they were already putting in Valentine's, Valentine's yes. stuff. Yes, and you know what I noticed? They have Reese's hearts. I wonder if those are any better than the, better than the Christmas trees. I think they're about the same. Huh. We'll have to try and taste test those. Yeah, you know, maybe just one. Not before yeah. we, we uh, you know, use your WW email and, and lose some of the holiday. Yeah, rate. you know, no, I unsubscribed. I unsubscribed from that thing like five who, times. Who subscribed you to Weight Watchers? I have no idea. Somebody did. I, you know what? Was it you? Mm-mm. Mark, I would never do such a thing like Gosh. that to you. I'm a much nicer friend. I know. I know. I don't know. Yeah. So maybe Siri was listening. She's always listening. Hey, yeah. so um, speaking of listening, because God listens to prayers. He knows. Um, you know, a few months back, we, we needed some new Bibles in the sanctuary because, you know, we always tell people they can take Bibles. So we got some Bibles with some larger print, right? Yeah. We got a phone call into our questions and answer podcast line. And I uh, wanted to Wanting to know if large print no, no, Bibles no, no. are you're godly? Gonna, you're going to no. like this. Here, here, this is just for the large print Bibles. Uh, yeah, this is Tad D'Ambrosi. I had um, been in an accident, and I've read the Bible probably a thousand times, and 5,000 more is not a problem for me. But I had prayed God. I really would like one that I, that's, the print is larger. And I thought about it, and then one day I was leaving church, and I saw one sitting on the table, and it was it was one you were obviously giving to somebody. So I opened it up, and it was exactly what I had prayed about. So I just thought maybe I ought to tell somebody I did it. Anyway, thanks. Bye. So a little backstory there. Tad. We love Tad. Absolutely. Tad was in a serious accident at work, what, two years ago, right? Yeah. And uh, fell from like a 15-foot ladder, a massive brain injury. We weren't sure oh. he was going to make it. Praise God, he is still with us. And uh, but yeah, so he well, prayed with and, us. He's walking, talking. He's walking and, in here and, and reading his Bible. Bibles. That's awesome, man. He didn't. He didn't steal it. He. We, no, they were we, there to take. Yes, it, the, it's the. It's freely given. Yeah, we we don't mind if people take those ones. So I thought that was pretty cool. That's what's, super what's cool. even better about this is, after I got that message, I I was in Home Depot with my family, you know, like the toy store for adult men. Yes, and. Uh, my wife got a text message from Tad's wife, Amy, and she said, like, shocked and fearful, I'm, I'm afraid that my husband may have called and left a message on Miles' phone. Andrea asked me about it. I said, yeah, you got to listen to this message. So we told her, don't worry about it. It was an awesome message. We're yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Super cool. So it's, uh, <clears throat> man, they went, that family really went through a rough, rough time. And yeah. God was very faithful. But you know what? The people from this fellowship were really faithful. Right. Yeah. And so yeah, it's um, awesome to yeah. see the family of God come around people and encourage them in the midst of that. That's a good thing. Man. So Tad, if you thing. hear this, God bless you with your large print Bible. There you go. We're glad to hear you're reading it. And as we come into a new year, we hope that everybody reads their Bible more in 2020. Read your Bible, pray every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. That's the Sunday school song. There you go. Yeah. In the news. Oh man. There's a lot of news because it's the end of the year. So everybody's recapping everything. But I came across this fascinating article at the Christian Post, temptation is more dangerous to the soul than demonic possession, exorcist says. 
So this is the Christian oh, the, Post. This guy's legit. Christian Post was talking to a priest from the Catholic Church who performs exorcisms, and he was making the point, and I thought it was a pretty good point, that uh, actually the bigger issue that people need to really wrestle with is the problem with succumbing to temptation, the temptation of the enemy, which I would say, yeah, I think that's true. But what was really interesting is they highlighted another article in this article, and apparently the Roman Catholic Church at the Vatican in the middle of Rome, St. Peter's, they have opened up their exorcism courses to all major Christian faiths to fight the rising demonic forces that they are seeing in the world. So it's not just for Catholics anymore. Hang on a second, man. Protestants can go and learn Bro. the art of exorcism. Is it online? At the Vatican. No, no. Here's the problem. Downside. The class is only in Italian. So. Wow. Because I just for a minute there, I had a, I had a vision. It's a five-day class. Me and my homeboy over there hanging out at the Vatican, you know, being all Protestant and whatnot, and then learning how to, oh, man, that would have been, would that be a great movie? Totally legit, man. So, yeah. Wow. We would have to bring a translator because I don't speak Italian, and I don't think you speak Italian. No, I don't. So, uh, it's a five-day class, only $450 there at the Vatican, you know, learn how to expel the devil. Wow. Exercise the demons. Wow. That would be pretty interesting. I think it'd be I, fascinating. I bet they have a crazy, crazy, just total angle on this. That yeah, would be I, it would really be fascinating. very fascinating. Very educational. Wow. Yeah. They make the point that a lot of Westerners, especially, you know, Protestants, um, kind of the evangelical tradition, delegitimize, if you will, the, the reality of evil at work in the world through demonic forces, which I think is true. I think we see that. I, I agree 100%. I mean, I, I think yeah. people can take it too far. Right, right. There's so, a demon behind every bush. Yeah, yeah, the demon on every rock type people. But but I think they have to realize... There's a demon in every Christmas tree, apparently. Well, evidently, but you know, you cast those out and put them in storage. That's right, we stored them. Yeah, it was fine. They're, they're, they're lead, lead be, encased. You know, yeah, they'll be like the Ark of the Covenant there and uh, Raiders. But I, I don't think we give the devil enough credit sometimes. There is. A, I don't want to give the devil much credit, but there is a devil. Well, there's a real devil. There is, yeah. And, and he doesn't want good things for us. And I think True. people forget that. And Western culture doesn't like to recognize that. I would agree with yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's the that's so, the issue. There seems yeah. to be uh, this view in the West that if you can't explain it with materialism, naturalism, and science, then it doesn't exist. But obviously, that's not true. Yeah. We I see mean, the realities of evil, like the guy who went into the church in Texas this last weekend, intending to kill a whole bunch of people with a shotgun. And thankfully, the security force at the church took him out. Yep. Boom. Heck of a shot, too. Done. Yeah, from 50 feet. Very nice shot. Single shot. Yep. That's shot. impressive. Took a time, wait for everybody to get down low, and he took the shot, and he was ready to go. And you know what most people don't realize is those things happen split second. I think he had about- Six seconds Yeah, six, total. I was going to say four to six from seconds to make a decision. beginning to end, the thing happened in six seconds. Wow. So probably saved a lot of people's lives. Very tragic that those two people perished, though. I got to say, having shot a handgun frequently- Yeah. Um to take one shot from 50 feet and boom, take out the assailant. That's pretty impressive. Now, he was like a uh, retired... Former, former sheriff. Now, was he the same guy that owned the gun range? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, one of the people that owned a gun range. Well, there you and, go. I guess he gave lessons. So. I guess he's a shooter. Yeah. So always a... You know, I'm just saying, you got to be really careful. If you're you're kind of a crazy person, you're going to go shoot a place up. Texas is really the last place you want to do Probably not the best that. idea. Yeah. No. So... Right. Uh, well, but that's I, a sad story. It is a with sad a, story because there know, were two other people that were killed by this yeah. guy before he was taken out. What it, What is it about somebody who would want to go into a church or a mosque or a synagogue and go start shooting They're people? They're just evil. That's proof that... Demonic. There's demons. 
Exactly. Demonic so, bad news. Yeah. Bummer. That's a that that's a lousy news story. I didn't like that news yeah. story. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Another kind of sad uh news story. Uh you know Pastor Tony Evans, ring a bell? Yes. Tony Evans' wife succumbed to a battle with cancer yesterday, oh, so we'd be praying man. for the Evans family. And uh, although Lois Evans is with Jesus, the, with Jesus, with Jesus is not a bad deal. No, no. The the whole Jesus thing is the greatest deal ever. People don't realize that. I'm with you on that. Forgiven, clean, heaven. I like it. Absolutely. Don't mess this up. So, again, we're we're coming down to the end of 2019. You got any resolutions? Resolutions. I resolve to just be totally more awesome. Yeah. In 2020. Oh, you'll probably hit that. No problem. No problem. Yeah. I, my daughter's birthday is January 1st. Oh yeah. And, uh, so we, we, she, we were joking around today. She goes, well, I'm going to try like reverse psychology. Oh yeah. So she says, I want to be fat and unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a good plan. That doesn't work. I don't even think you she, should throw that one out. No, no, she was joking. And she goes, yeah. so that'll mean I'll yeah. be, that means I'll have a job and lose weight. So Yeah, well, anyway, yeah, maybe. But, uh, so she's thinking because she hasn't kept the New Year's resolutions in the past that maybe she won't She actually, She actually through. did great. Oh, she well, there you joke go. About awesome, it. awesome. Anyway, no. Just, what, uh, do you have a resolution? I, you know, I haven't resolved on those yet. No. I mean, I ref, as I reflect on this year... 2019. Probably one of the worst years ever for fishing. That I, I mean, the fishing was amazing, and I got out once. Could you, can you believe that, that it has been 20 years since Y2K? Wow. 20 years. I think I still got Missler's tapes in the bookstore for sale, the Maybe. Y2K There's tapes. There's some people that still have food what rations to do? from 20 or 19. I still got my Y2K body, man. I was bulking up. <laughs> bulking up and getting Yeah, ready. well, you never know, man. <laughs> you know, the only I, it was kind of a, you know... A little bit of it was a it was a dicey decision, yeah. Because you know you put on fifteen twenty pounds to make it through Y two K, and you think because I'll outlast these other guys. But the other side is, you know, you're about two weeks into this thing, you're starting to look a little more tasty than everybody else too. So you got to watch it. So, but I decided to go with it, and uh, you know, you never know. So twenty years ago today, I had a group of junior hires and high schools, a whole bunch of whole bunch of junior hires and high schoolers up at camp. For our Y2K Christmas camp. It was All awesome. right. Or, or Y2K winter camp. It was awesome. The snow came like crazy. It snowed all night long. It was sweet. We had communion right at midnight. Oh, I love it. That's great. And all the power did not go out. The world did not cease to exist from 1999 to 2000. I thought about, because we had like a, 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 you know, one of those services that go to midnight mm-hmm. on uh, Y2K. Yeah. And I, I thought about going Turn in the, the back and off. turning the lights off. Would have been great. Yeah. But, you know. I, I think we contemplated doing that, too. It, yeah. It we just, decided it, just, it might have been a spirit-quenching thing. Yeah. So, nah, so we won't do we, that. We didn't. I, yeah. You know. Anyway. So, uh, any thoughts on 2020? You know, if you go back 100 years, you get the roaring 20s. Well, I've decided I like we're going to call it the you, rotting Yeah, I, I agree 20s. with the rotting 20s. I think. Uh, I hope it's not that. When I look at what I see in the news. Yeah. And the ridiculous from the, you know, non-binary this and that and all that, just the ridiculous things I see out there, ungodly things. Yeah. And I honestly, I, I think we're, you know, my armchair analysis is I think we're going to be a lot like Rome. If we don't pull this thing, turn it around, we're going to rot from the inside. 
We don't have to worry about anybody from the outside. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, um, you and I were talking about 2020 and I, I told you that I thought 2020 was going to be the year of chaos. As in get smart? No, I just think it's going to be a year of chaos, chaoticness here yeah, in the U.S. Probably. with all the politics stuff and all the craziness that's going on. I was on the news today or news website today and there's a guy who wrote 2020 will be the year of chaos right here. A year of chaos, 2020. This is also on the Christian Post. Michael Brown says it'll be a year of chaos. So I felt like, whoa, wow, we're on the same vibe there. Sounds like a great opportunity for some people to get saved. Yep, because in the midst of chaos, you can bet that God is bringing order out of chaos. Yeah, well, God's not the author of confusion. He brings order out of chaos. That's yeah. what you see in Genesis chapter 1. Right on. Right. So God bring order get ready. to our chaos. Put some more seats in the sanctuary. Yeah, we actually probably do need some more seats in the sanctuary. We just We've need a bigger more people sanctuary. Come to yes, we do. We're praying for a bigger sanctuary. Yeah, I would, I, we, sanctuary. our people need to pray along with us for that. Right. Or they got to start going to other services, but... We do have two not-so-filled services. We got one yeah. very filled service. Everybody loves that middle service. I do, too. It's yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody laughs harder in second service. They do. Yeah. So... We're going to give the better donuts to the third and first service, though. You know what? Maybe just don't give any donuts at second service. Oh, okay. There you go. So be trolling them in. All right. All right. You, you know, I got, this re- new, I got this new Wi-Fi system at my house. Yeah? And it notifies me whenever someone new logs on to my wireless network at oh, home. Oh, really? And it's rather disconcerting when I know that no one is at my house. And I get a notification that says, a new device has just logged onto your Wi-Fi network. Ooh. Who is at my house? Anyways. All right. Moving on. Sorry. Amazon's probably dropping Squirrel. off something for yeah, you. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Squirrel. Okay. Were you uh, ready for some, some questions? questions? Yeah, let's do it. Because the news stories are, I didn't like the news stories that we got. Yes. News, news stories done. Bummers. Okay. News with Mark and Miles. All right. Uh, number, number one. Number one. Concerned about the programming on Netflix you mentioned on the last podcast, I yeah, I'm concerned too. Thinking of canceling my subscription. I don't watch a lot of TV, but is it better to cancel and let Netflix know why? Question mm. mark, question mark. So um, there, there is a trending hashtag on social media since that came out from a whole bunch of Christians. Hashtag cancel, cancel on Netflix. Um, yeah, I, I'm not real huge on the whole boycotting thing. I'm not 100% sure that it's necessarily, you know, if you carry it out to its logical conclusion, then you got to cancel pretty much everything. Like every everywhere you go in this culture, you're going to find broken, terrible, bad, evil, wicked things being promoted, being produced, being distributed by everybody from Amazon. So cancel your Amazon Prime. Cancel your, you know, credit cards. Cancel your shopping at Target and Walmart. Cancel everything if you're going to kind of live like that. However, if you determine that, uh, you know, the show, they have, a, I guess, a gay Jesus in this Messiah show or something. Oh, like that. really? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, if that's the case, then just don't watch that dumb show. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm probably a little different than that. Yeah, okay. Um, I think it's, if you, I mean, it depends how you do this, but if you want to send an email yeah. or make a call and you're kind and you are composed and just say, hey, I'm canceling my Netflix and the reason I'm doing this is, uh, you you jumped into a place where you you're really, you know, these are my beliefs. You're yeah. disrespecting God by showing Jesus in this light, 
and uh, you're doing it not it not only is it completely wrong and it goes against every value I have um, on top of that it's unfair you would not do this to a Muslim or any other background you wouldn't do that to them and uh, I would let them know that you're just you're offended on the balance you, you know it's just completely unscriptural and uh, I, I would do it in a way that was kind I would voice my opinion and I let them know that's why I'm canceling this. If, and I'm not out trying gonna... to sanitize your program, but just to let you know that's why I'm canceling is because of you taking this step to do this. And uh, I agree. Yeah. If you're going to cancel it, then you should let them know why you're going to cancel exactly. it. Exactly. But I think that just like you remember the, the movie, and I wasn't really aware of these things when it came out, but it came out in like late 80s, early 90s. Last, the last Temptation, Temptation of, Christ. of Christ. Yep. This was a movie that I don't even know all the details about it, but I can say that had the Christian community not gotten so uproared about it. Never would have known about it. Never would have known about it. Same thing with this show. It kind of would have come and gone and no one would really yeah. know all that much about it. But if you feel, if you have convictions that should I cancel this thing because of this issue, then that's perfectly fine. And yeah, I would say let Netflix know why. But if you're going to carry that out to logical conclusion, there's there's a lot of things that you're going to have to cancel in your life. Yeah, I think it went, uh, just an overall thing. My brother said this once, and I thought, man, this is, makes a lot of sense. He says, you know, I just don't see anywhere in Scripture where Jesus has given us the commandment to sanitize the world, because he's going to sanitize the world one day yeah. with fire. Right. But I, I think as a, um, as a courtesy, and I think there actually can be something evangelistic to it, if you do something that's in a courteous, kind way to say, this was really offensive, and I don't know why you would do this but it was super offensive and so that's why i'm canceling it because i just it just makes my stomach turn or whatever it is in a way you know just hey guys this is this was not cool and uh it's uh so you lost somebody but hey i'll i'm praying for you and uh, that's cool but i think you know trying to sanitize the world i mean i think you also see this even with our own uh retirement fund here at the church Okay. We have something where in our first tier of investments here at the church, there are no what we call things that we'd call sin tax or sin business. Ah. So we're not directly invested in tobacco. We're not directly invested in um, uh, alcohol. Not that alcohol in itself is a sin, but there's a lot of things. Pornography, any of those things, our retirement. We better not be invested in pornography. Yeah. Well, but our retirements are not invested in companies that that's how they make their money. There you go. Uh, in the first tier. Now, could there be a subsidiary somewhere, if you look deep enough, that would disagree with Scripture? Yes, but there just gets to be a point where it's like you spend your entire time trying to root that out. So right. we just try to do that, and I think that's God-honoring. So, And people can do that with their own investments, too. So things like that, I choose to not support those things. So I got rid of Netflix because there was nothing on, and it was getting more and more ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, we really don't watch that much television anyway. Yes. So... Uh, except when there's, you know, Christmassy movies you got to watch. Yeah, actually, you know, it's funny. I misspoke. We don't. We didn't watch any Hallmark movies this year. We just watched Christmas movies. Well, yeah, but I mean, they they're kinda, Hallmark. Everybody, yeah, Hallmark has become kind of like. Oh gosh, yeah. We saw some. For, we saw some great ones. Some really. Oh yeah, we ones. watched a couple of them the other night. Well, I saw Holiday one. in the Wild. Wild. Okay. This was with Rob Lowe, and he was a, he was an elephant. You know. You know, took care of... Save the world, Save huh? the world in Africa. It was very, very uh, gripping. The, we saw The Truth About Christmas the other day. Oh, I didn't see that one. And then um, that was great. Yeah. And you cannot stand either one of the characters for 95% of the movie. Yeah. So it, it was it was like liar, liar, but I, with I think we probably concept. watched 20 different 
Hallmarky yeah. Christmassy movies this holiday. They're all basically the same movie. So, oh yeah, definitely. We yeah. saw one last night. Uh huh. Hitched for the holidays. Oh great. Two people they meet on Craigslist just Craigslist on well it's not Craigslist they call it Rick's List or something like oh, that. Oh my gosh! I but hope no, not no 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 they did this they just said we, I just need somebody to be a fake boyfriend or girlfriend oh, to get us through the holidays gotcha. to go to the office parties in. and so my parents have quit bugging me and all this. And so it was a Catholic guy and a Jewish girl, mm-hmm. and the, they both had the tip, stereotypical moms yeah. that would bug them to get married pretty much every day. That was pretty darn funny. And then in the end, they fell in love. Oh, of course. Yep. So, yeah. And then, you know, and the girl had told the parents that the guy was Jewish. Mm-hmm. So he had to, he had, oh, he had no. to fake being Jewish. Goodness gracious. So, I want to give the whole thing away, but they let him light the menorah. Yeah. So he lights the two did he candles. Totally botch it. No, no. He, well, she helped him so that you know did yeah, it, and don't then screw this up. Sang the prayer. She led the prayer, and then when it was done, he blew the menorah out. Happy birthday, Jesus! Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was. Yeah, that was pretty. Oh, uh, great. So, yeah. Anyway, good. Good. Clean fun. But that wasn't on Netflix. No, it was not because you canceled it. I but did, but not because of the Messiah movie. You did. Why that did you know, I canceled it way you did before, it before then? That. But you know, there's a, yeah. There's a lot of ridiculous stuff on there. So. Yeah. Media. Go read your Bible. It's only going to get worse. Go do something nice for somebody. Expect it to get worse before Jesus comes and establishes his kingdom where there's a rule of righteousness. Why well, know all that? I mean, it's got to get bad enough so he'll clean this one up, right? I guess. I mean, you know. sometimes we feel like, well, it's worse enough. Yeah. But no, evidently not. So let's go on record as saying God is way more gracious than Mark and Miles. This is very true. Very, very, We very are not true. the boss of the applesauce. That's for sure. No, no, no. Okay. So I think Netflix person, that's answered. If you want to write them a kind note or send them a kind email and tell them why, I think that is a good idea. They'll at least know that we're the Christian. We're watching and it was offensive and it was wrong. And you're praying for them because I don't think I would want to be doing a movie about being a gay Jesus as Jesus is coming. I don't think I'd want that on my rap sheet. Just saying. So. Number two. Okay. Why do some people lift their hands during worship? Hmm. Great question. I have we talked about this before? I thought we no. may have. No? Okay. I don't think so. Well, I think and, we may have talked in the office about it. Okay, yeah. I mean, the tradition of lifting hands goes way, way, way back. In fact, if you look at some of the earliest... Christian artwork going back to even just uh, etchings on some of the catacomb walls. There are images of Christians lifting their hands. It was traditionally, it was a posture of prayer and not worship. Mm. Um, it even has a name. The orant posture comes from the Latin oranus, and it, it means uh, a position of petition. Uh-oh, you're getting text messages here. So a petition of praying or pleading. So for, for many centuries, it was more of a petition of prayer than a petition of worship. But the, uh, the charismatic kind of revivals of the 20th century, it was bringing lifting hands back and uh, kind of more shifted it to a position of worship. A lot of times it's connected to like surrender. Surrender. I was going to say that's what I was taught. Surrender and praise, a position of surrender and praise. But yeah, the, the oldest depictions of it is more in the area of prayer. And it's probably... Had it may have its origins in what Paul writes to Timothy in First um, Timothy two, 
a desire that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. So Paul's exhortation to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.8. So it, it may have its its origins all the way back in that, but it it's, goes back very, very far, 2,000 years. So I was always told it was uh, a position of surrender, right. this and that. I think, this, is this person wanting to know, is this cool or not? Probably is what they're wanting to know. Maybe they're weirded out by, up with it? by the people in our church sanctuary lifting up their hand. They're new to cross-connection. I don't know. Yeah. Because that was just, that was all I got. Why do some people lift their hands during worship? It's a you know, position of praise, surrender. Right. Now, it can be a little bit controversial in the church, actually. Yeah. Uh, I don't think um, I had, I actually never attended Costa Mesa up there, but I was told that that's something that Pastor Chuck did not want people to do. Uh, I think he was more against, like, let's say you're in the midst of worship and some person Standing. stands up and everybody else oh, okay. is sitting down. And I, I believe the explanation was is that you're taking the attention off of the Lord and putting right. it on yourself by standing up. Yeah. So, cause, he does talk about that in a book that he wrote called Calvary Chapel Distinctives. Right. Which is more of kind of like, was more like Pastor Chuck Smith's perspective on ministry at Calvary Costa Mesa. Because most Calvary chapels I know didn't follow that same, that same kind of model. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess it would freak some people out. Yeah, I, you know. It I'm was not pretty, saying don't do it. So but... I did go to Calvary Costa Mesa on a Sunday morning when Pastor Chuck mm-hmm. was still alive and pastoring. And I was I was kind of shocked because, you know, I expected a certain sort of uh, casual, free-flowing Calvary Chapel sort of thing. And what I found was a whole bunch of pastors in three-piece suits and a choir and like an organ and a 20-minute topical message. And it was not what I was sold Four square light. It was not what I was sold. Right. So it was not the franchise double-double animal style that I was looking for. <laughs> but, you know, their Sunday night service was a little bit different. It was more casual, uh, much longer Bible teaching, expositional through the scriptures, more of a contemporary-ish worship set. Sunday morning was not like that. There was like a responsive reading, you know, the back and forth reading. Right. Oh, yeah. Very traditional. Yeah. He closed with the song, Spirit of the Living God, Fall Afresh on Me. I could hear him singing it right now. Gave man. the benediction, the whole deal. Wow. Yeah, it was more traditional than I anticipated. But it was, it was good. It is kind of funny because you, you, later on you hear people talking about Calvary Costa Mesa and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that when they're running their church, and they actually were more Calvary Costa Mesa than Costa Mesa was. They, they, their their own thought of what Calvary yeah that, that, it was more their thought of what it was like rather than them being there so I tried to be quiet about those things because I was never there well I think a lot of people took what they thought Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa was like from what they heard on Chuck Smith's audio teaching tracks his uh, right. his cassette tapes back in the Ooh, day cassette and tapes. the cassette tapes were taken from the Sunday night service so it's a totally different thing the Sunday morning service was different it was a topical message it was a more traditional service a little bit different. My first experience with a, at a Calvary was at uh, Horizon Christian Fellowship, and it was crazy back in the day. Yeah, it was super chill. They, when you first got started, it wasn't like the North Park thing. No, they had just moved from North Park, okay, into Mount Alifan, which was Where they a were high for a school. long time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was actually Hale Junior High School, and I know this <clears throat> because my father in law was a math teacher there before they shut it down. So yeah. It was crazy. There, that, there was, it took you 20 minutes to find a parking spot. I remember that. Really made an impression on me. Okay, so why do people lift their hands and worship? They're basically just worshiping, and it's, it should be a reflection of their heart. And it's a sign of surrender, but it also was a, t- a sign of prayer. And so um, 
But if you don't feel like lifting your hands, it doesn't make you any less holy or more holy or anything like that. So, all right. Uh, I feel like we answered that. Yeah. Number three. Was Moses wrong to veil his face? So this is coming from the passage that uh, Pastor Garrett preached yes. this last yeah. weekend. Um, let me read that passage. It's in 2 Corinthians 3 and da, 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 verse 12. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. So was Moses wrong to veil his face? Uh, I'm not I'm not really sure that he was wrong, uh, but veiling his face is the perfect connection to the Old Covenant because, so in the passage that we're dealing with in this passage, Moses, when he was in the presence of God up on Mount Sinai receiving the law. Got like a holy suntan. Yeah, something yeah. from the glory of the Lord kind of stuck to Moses, and he had a shining, a high pro glow face. Yeah. So he veiled his, his glory-stricken face, glory-smitten face, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look at the end that was passing away. It's kind of a perfect picture of the Old Covenant because... The Old Covenant, under the Old Covenant, the children of Israel could not come in contact with the, the full glory of God. It was veiled in the Holy of Holy, Holy of Holies. So there's kind of a veil over that glory that was upon Moses' face. There's a veil upon the Holy of Holies. I think the question here is coming from the concept, concept of, was it vain for Moses? Well, and I think this person's asking this question because I have heard it preached on. Yeah. And the... That teacher, people say that he shouldn't have done it. He well, I've heard it both ways. So I've heard that you know he was trying to make it seem like he was still glowing when uh, he wasn't. When he wasn't, you're so, so he vain. Was being, but you know, the you book probably of Acts, thought that song is about you. The yeah. Book of Acts says that Moses was the most humble man that ever lived. So he couldn't have been, couldn't have been vain. Well, I mean, but Acts is really commentary on it. It really, you know, didn't happen. But then. the fact that you have heard it both ways, and I've heard it yeah. both ways too. Yeah means that this is open to interpretation. Yeah, and it doesn't make a, I guess, you know, whatever way you're trying to sway somebody. I guess but, so. But uh, don't veil the glory. Yeah, open the spout and let the glory pour out. But in but in the new covenant, the veil yeah. is torn. So yeah, may the glory of Jesus be upon your face. That had to look kind of creepy walking or a dude with a veil on his face. Though. I remember reading from Charles Spurgeon. He was talking about how the Christian's appearance should be. And... He said, when you speak of the Lord and the glories of heaven, let your face shine with the glory yes. and the radiance of God. And when you speak about the world and the things that are to come and hell and so forth, your everyday face will do. Yeah. That was nice. Uh, so so it's open to interpretation. Was he vain in doing that? I don't personally think that he was, but yeah, I have heard some pastors say that, oh, you're so vain, Moses. Right. But like I said, most humble man that ever lived, so says yeah. Moses. Well, I think this this also a teachable moment also. It's like with the lifting of hands. Yeah. I've seen people lifting hands and doing this and that, and I'm thinking, you know, and they're out in the parking lot cussing 10 minutes later. I'm, I'm not, I, I had a hard time believing they were having an interactive moment with the Lord, but it appeared they wanted other people to think that they were having an interactive moment with the Lord. A little Lord. showy. Yeah. I, I think it's really important. That they're having the Lord some personal worship. Knows, yes, knows the heart. He does. And, and where your heart is can sometimes determine if something was a good thing or a bad thing, right? So if Moses was cover had the veil over because he didn't want people to lose hope or he was doing it for other people to try to encourage them, maybe not a bad thing. But if he was 
in his heart wanting not to seem less or as holy, then that was a bad thing. Yeah. But we don't know what was going on in Moses's heart. Right. I just know Moses had a really tough job. Yes, he did. Can you imagine a two-year, uh, excuse me, a 40-year camping 40 trip with two million people? How many million people was it? It was a lot. Maybe, yeah, yeah. it could have been that many. And A uh, whole mess of people. And then these were not the easiest people. We're talking about a stiff-necked generation here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there were uprisings and all those things. Uh, Moses had a rough job. He did. He did. Man. I I tend to look at this, though, as the connection between the Old Covenant, Moses being the representative of the Old Covenant yeah. and the law, and that the glory under the Old Covenant, the glory of God, was veiled. And so that's exactly what's being represented Very in symbolic Moses. type yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, that's how I normally yeah. look at it. So roll with that. Number Not four. Not an issue of salvation, that's for sure. Truly. How did we become a Baptist church and what way is it different from what we were before? Well, Great it was the white question. belt and the white shoes, definitely. Yeah. We that was that was an awesome outfit you had. That couldn't that couldn't really be categorized or characterized as Baptist. That's more like Southern Baptist. Very Pentecostal. Pentecostal. Yeah. Very Pentecostal. My yeah. my Christmas attire, shall we call it. That was something. I felt that you missed the mark on your Christmas attire, Mark. I didn't try oh, at all. Killing me, Smalls. I, 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 I didn't want to detract from oh, what you guys were doing. Is that what that's called? I, I kinda, right. Well, sometimes when I walk into a room, I kind of take things over, not on purpose. <laughs> so I just, I was not going to compete. It's okay. like, you, I, you're not going to see me wearing white to a wedding, right? Well, no. Yeah, that's there you a good. Go. Yeah, you never Perfect. do that. You, you can't that. distract from, you can't take the eyes off exactly. the Exactly. This was, you were amazing. Oh, you guys, you guys gracious. nailed it. Yeah, I promise next year I will wear something outrageous. My if wife, my wife is want. still not sure about my my Christmas attire. Yeah, yeah. Put on the jacket, Homer. Yeah, there you go. How how did we become a Baptist church? In what ways are we different from what we were before? We're well, not. what we were before is the same as what we are now. Um, we are kind of both. You and I both kind of grew up out yeah. of the Calvary Chapel family of churches. So I, I think we got the Calvary Chapel DNA pretty good. Yep. Uh, we may have some mutations here and there. Uh, Don't we all? DNA always mutates. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we have a few mutations, and uh, but we added to our, our Calvary Chapel DNA some Baptist, Southern Baptist DNA about, what, four or five years ago now? It's been a while yeah. ago. Yeah. It's gone by really, really quick. Um, so, yeah, I don't know that we've necessarily changed from what we were. I think we just we just kind of teamed up with what SBC is doing. I just feel like, uh, for me, I just felt like it took what we were doing and made it better. Yeah, it extended it further. Yeah. Because so, we, um, we get the opportunity of being involved in some massive world mission movements involved with SBC. SBC is one of the large. well, it is the largest denomination in the United States of America, and it's also one of the largest senders and funders of missions around the world. Right, and I think just one of the things I really liked about joining up with the SBC was they really have this whole missions and church planning thing down. Yeah. And uh, more than Calvary. I'm going to be real honest with you. No, that's that true. In our Calvary. A little bit more organized. That we that we love and, and know. They've had a few more years to get organized. Well, and they've got us. Hopefully they, Calvary can do that. Yeah, but they're, they're very good. They take very good care of their missionaries. Uh, they have a, a plan. And so it's something that, you know, and I think Pastor Chuck would have agreed too. Uh, one of his famous quotes is, uh, you know, see what God's doing and get behind it. And clearly God is doing this. And uh, it not only, I think, enhanced our missions program, but it gave us a lot of new opportunities right here in the States. 
And uh, there's a lot of really, really beneficial things. And uh, I think if you were to take our statement of faith and put it side by side with the, there's a name for the Baptist one. Baptist uh, Faith and Message 2000. There you go. If you were to put them, I would say so, uh, they're almost identical. I yeah, can't really think close. of very... And actually, in actuality, the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, which is a pretty long document about the statement of faith of the Southern Baptist Convention, it's, how shall I say, it is looser, if you will. It's less dogmatic than some of the Calvary Chapel things would be in the areas Le- of... And, yeah. In so, the areas of like soteriology, in the areas of eschatology. Like, you know, Calvary Chapel is very, very strictly on the, the end times thing pre-tribulational, pre-millennial, that whole thing. That's a whole huge discussion. Uh, the Southern Baptist Convention is, is quite a bit wider in its view on eschatology. So, Yeah, so it's kind of crazy, but yeah, the, uh, the Southern Baptists are actually looser than us Calvary folks. In some areas, in yeah. In some areas, yeah. yeah. So, let's, But one uh, of the things that I would say that SBC could learn from Calvary Chapel is... Um, there is flip-flops. A, they need flip-flops. Flip-flops, yeah. Well, sure. another thing, though, is the concept. I think that Calvary Chapel does a really good job on bringing people up into ministry from just within the body of Christ and not having a requirement. And even though I wouldn't say it's not a strict requirement in the Southern Baptist Convention, but the concept of having to go get a formal ministry education to do ministry, you certainly won't find that within a Calvary Chapel, which I think is really good because both you and I— right. Uh, you know, we ended up in the ministry pretty much. Well, all of the pastors on our staff here right. don't have a formal education other than they're on the job training and kind of an apprenticeship model through the church, which I think is a very biblical way of doing things. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not I, to say that a, a formal education is a bad thing because I, I highly endorse that too. It isn't, but it's not, I think it's not the, the thing. Right. And I, I do, I have seen people that have gone and done the seminary thing. And then right after they're, you know, two plus two equals, you know, four. They think the next part of the equation is, is, well, I'm going to go be a pastor somewhere. Yeah. And there's a lot more that goes along with the pastor thing than just having a degree. Having uh, done the knowledge. seminary thing now for yeah. a couple of years, my observation within a Southern Baptist seminary is um, there's a number of people who are professors in the uh, seminary that I've been going to that... um you can tell that they went to seminary to go into pastoral ministry. And they, what the unfortunate downside, I think, sometimes is that seminary prepares people more to be academics than to be pastors. Mm. So these guys, they went to seminary to go into the ministry, pastoral ministry, and they ended up staying in academia because it was geared towards being an academic. And so instead of becoming a pastor, they may have even tried to go be a pastor and they ended up being a professor. So... So sometimes there, there's some downsides. Yeah. This is a whole other discussion. Yeah, it has nothing but a, to do with it. But not, but not, not dissing thing. formal education. No, but, no. But uh, it being the one qualifying factor for ministry for some of the denominations, right. uh, I think is wrong. I don't, yeah. I don't think it works well. Well, I think that if you have a person who, because now with the way that technology is, you can go through seminary online at your own time, mm-hmm. kind of the night school-esque sort of thing. I think if you have a person, let's say you have a person who's in their 20s, they want to be in ministry, they should find a church where they can intern and be solidly serving the Lord in ministry while at the same time getting a theological education. But my opinion of going away to do a theological education and only focus on that theological education for three or four years is that that might be preparing you 
for a long-term venture in academia more than the ministry. But if you do the two, two concurrently, you're serving actively in a church consistently and you're doing the theological education, I think that that's not a bad thing. That's kind of what Garrett's doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that's a... Big detour on number four. That's okay. Not a bad one. You know, I mean, it's uh, okay. Oh, I like this next one. You do? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Number five. Number five. Oh, wow. Yes, you do. My previous church did a prophecy update at the end of each year. Does this church believe in Bible prophecy? If so, why no updates? Did, did your previous church do a prophecy update at the end of the year? Yes, we did. My previous church did too. Yeah. We don't. We don't. We do not. Although I could give you a prophecy update. Jesus said he will come again and to occupy until I come. And he has not yet come. So keep on occupying. Yeah, I, I feel um, prophecy We updates. We do believe in prophecy. Oh, we absolutely do. But um, I think these prophecy updates, I think you need to go back and go listen to your church's prophecy updates for the last 10 years. And when you're done, you're going to sit down if you make it through and you go, man, that was a complete waste of time because these things didn't ouch, happen. Ouch. Well, I mean, honestly. No, there's some truth there. I it, mean, that's, I, I, that's some I'm, hard truth. That's I'm, some I'm going to be real cold honest. Cold-blooded love there, Mark. Yeah, well, 90-plus percent of the thing that I, I've heard put out at Prophecy Conference is adds up to nothing, and it distracts, and I'll go toe-to-toe with anybody on this, it distracts from the real mission that Jesus gave us, and that was to go and make, make disciples. disciples. And this is a big part of the reason why we he, did connect with the SPC, was their commitment to the Great Commission. Making disciples, yeah. Right. And right. I think we have to be really careful, because prophecy updates and things tickle the ears. They it's do. It's speculation. They're wrong, and why would I spend so much time on things that amount to nothing. And it's not that we do not want to have an expectant attitude and heart that Jesus is coming back. And we, if there's things that we look at and go, oh man, I'm really excited about Jesus coming back. But that's typically not the reaction that I see from prophecy conference and prophecy hounds, I'll call them. It usually just leads to wanting to hear more prophecy. And yeah. it's the tickling of the ears. Well, and, it's like and they're wrong. Chuck Most of the time say. they're wrong. What like what Pastor Chuck used to say, what you win them with, you win them too. Exactly. And so uh, you end up with a whole bunch of people who are kind of like Bible cryptographers more than Bible expositors, and they're trying to decode the Bible and figure out what day the Lord's going to return and who the Antichrist is going to be and all that sort of jazz. And I have some pretty well-formed concept ideas on eschatology, what I believe on eschatology, but I certainly don't lead with that. And, um, I, you know, we do hold a futurist view on Bible prophecy at our church, meaning that we believe there's passages in Bible prophecy that have yet to be fulfilled. And we believe that Lord will bring those things to pass, most notably his second coming. And uh, so we're looking forward to those things, but we want to commit to the Great Commission and fulfilling what Jesus has sent us forth to do. And I, every time that I think about Bible prophecy, I can't help but think of, Jesus's last words to his disciples in Acts chapter one, where he's getting ready to ascend into heaven and they want to talk with him about, Hey, will you at this time restore the kingdom? Yeah. You know, is it now, is it now for you to start your kingdom? And he says to him, it's not for you to know the times or seasons, which the father has put under his own authority, but you 
will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. So he's always repositioning his church from the earliest days away from the eschatological focus, that becoming the the primary focus, back to the Great Commission. You're going to go be witnesses, so go do that. And um, when the church, in my observation, and I've experienced this, and I think you have as well, when the church gets overly focused on end time sort of things, they, they lose sight on discipleship. They lose sight on evangelism. They can get distracted by these things and fail to fulfill the commission that God has given to them. And I think that's, that's not a good thing. Well, just back up a little bit. If you were to say, let's, let's think of this, maybe top five bad teachings, things that the church does, uh, no particular church, but the bad teachings that are out there that distract people Let's let's go down the list. Um, Number one, one would be prosperity. Prosperity, yeah. and that flies in America for right. sure. But it flies right. all over the world. Prosperity, one of our teaching. biggest exports, unfortunately. Right, um, and it's very uh, self-centric. It 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 distracts from what the core message of the gospel. What's another one? Charismatic. Yeah, the, over over charismatic. Expression. That's another one. It, yeah. it, same thing. It, it takes away from what the true message of the gospel is: the sacrifice of Christ. Right. Which, you know, uh, speaking of... And the Great Commission. Speaking of that, you know, just a few weeks ago in a heartbreaking situation at Bethel Church, which is known for its charismatic oh, expression, yeah. uh, uh, some of the worship leaders, their their two-year-old daughter died unexpectedly, which is horrific and horrible. Very sad. And the church spent about a week or so um, calling upon Christians all over to pray for her to be raised from the dead. And, and you know, do I believe that God can raise people from the dead? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Um, but in that situation, you kind of just look at it and you go, man, th- it was just heart-wrenching. And so I think that that's one of those areas of uh, the charismatic thing. So yeah, so prosperity gospel, right. charismatic expression, and an overcommitment, what is actually termed an over-realized eschatology, um, that we can have an overcommitment to eschatological, that's end times issues, right. totally absorbed by it. I, I, put, I put the overemphasis on on that right up there with all the rest of the bad teachings. Right. And uh, it's because uh, it, it distracts. I had a conversation with a pastor who, a good friend, and really focused on the eschatology thing. And this is probably about 10, 12 years ago. I think it was before I took over this church. And he had asked me, you know, Miles, what do you, what do you think for this younger generation coming up, which now we're not young generation all of a sudden, um, what do you think the church should be focused on? I said, well, I, I think the focus on eschatology is not the focus that this generation is looking for, but more a focus on ecclesiology, which is how to be a Christian and how to be the church mm-hmm. in the world in which we live. And I, I do think that that's absolutely certain that when I talk with people who are my age and younger, they want to know what does it look like to be a Christian in a broken fallen world? So the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Babylon is a really important one. You know, you can be certain that those guys were looking forward to the apocalypse, the, the revealing of the Lord, but in the midst of it, they were still faithfully walking with Jesus in a in a fallen world, so that's that's something we need to be focused on, right? Especially in the chaos of twenty twenty that's about to come, right? But if you want to fill a church up, oh yeah, talk, talk about, about sex in the end times, right? Well, yeah, that was that Piper who said that? Mm-hmm. No, no, MacArthur maybe. I don't remember who said it. So one of the big I don't names. Think it was Piper. It said if you want to fill up a church, talk about prophecy, or if you want to fill up a church, uh, uh, talk about sex. He said, or if you you know you really want to fill up a church, how about sex in the end times? There you go. What his quote was, but uh, yeah, I mean, prophecy will fill up a church temporarily. Temporarily, prosperity teaching will fill up a church uh, temporarily. Um, Yeah, 
charismatic. So those are the top three. Those are the trinity yeah. of the American church right there. Prosperity yeah. gospel, charismatic expression, and eschatological fervor. Yeah, and not one of them is better than the other. So, all right, that being said. They're so, all distractions. Uh, yeah, distractions to what we're really supposed to be doing. True. Number six. Number six. Man, we are six. just flying through these today. Oh, like <laughs> at breakneck speed. Right. Okay, uh, if we are transformed into the image of Christ, what does that actually look like? I'm going to have long hair and look like Jesus. America. No. <laughs> the American Jesus. Yeah, the American Jesus. Uh, well, it's important to note the first book of the Bible, Genesis, first chapter, says that in the image of God, he created the male and female. So we are created in the image of God, what is referred to as the imago Dei, the image of God. And God's desire is that we would properly represent that in a way in the way in which we live. So God's desire is that we would begin to express who we actually are by his grace and by his enabling power, by his Holy Spirit to walk in the way that Christ would walk. So what's that look like? Well, I think one of the greatest pictures of that is going to be the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, patience, all those things, long-suffering, that those need to become the characteristics of my life. And, you know, to a certain degree, I, I see that, and I want to see that more and more. You know, I, I can say... In the last 10, 15 years, I have become more patient. Part of that is because God gave me four children. <laughs> and, you know, long-suffering, you know, that's just because, just life, I guess. But, you know, going through trials doesn't mean that you're going to end up with long-suffering and patience. You actually need the Lord to work those things into you. So God wants us to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness. Any thoughts on this, Mark? Um... I think you, you kind of, you nailed it. Um, nailed it. That, yeah. I don't Hashtag. Think Christ, what does that actually look like? I, yeah, it's just becoming more Christ-like. And, and that's so a process. So you need to get some Birkenstocks, some leather sandals, and like a rope? The hippie Jesus. And start talking with these and thousand shouts? No, because Jesus didn't speak in King James. But Paul did. Sure he did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I think, I, again, what does it look like? I think it looks like us being more like Jesus. People seeing Christ in our lives and going, Christ-likeness. Hmm. That dude did not cook that up on his own, did he? Yeah. No, so, and you know... Um, I, I often say that for marriages. You know, let your light so shine before men, men seeing your give, good works, give glory to the Father in heaven. And basically, people, when they're looking at our marriages or how we act and things we do, should look at that and go, you know, that's more than a really nice guy or that's more than just two compatible people. There's something else going on there right. that's supernatural. Well, and you know, and I think it's... That testimony. You know, there's a lot of talk in the American evangelical church, which has been uh, influenced in the last 25 years by what's traditionally referred to as reformed theology that likes to talk a lot about predestination. Um, but, you know, when we talk about what God has predestined us to... Mm -hmm. He predestined us, Romans eight twenty nine, that we would be conformed to the image of his son. So God wants to transform us, conform us, so that we look more like his children. Exactly. We have his nature being worked out right. in us. And Jesus doesn't look like some gay guy on Netflix either, doggone it. Gay Jesus. Whoever thought of such a thing? Netflix. Ridiculous. Cancel. Smite. Okay. Anyway. Number seven. Number seven. What confuses me is that when someone dies, the pastor will generally say that he, she is now with God. 
However, when I read the Bible, it says that you go to sleep until the coming of Christ. He will call the dead to rise up and meet him. Can you clarify this so I can have a better understanding? That's a really good question. Yes, and, I can uh, I can clarify this. And, and just as a side note, yeah. when the pastor says he's with God, <laughs> I, you, you know when you're doing one for a for a, a, a memorial for a memorial an unbeliever that dude might be with God but you're thinking I, I never he's say getting that. smoked he's getting judged my, I don't say that in my memorial service yeah. when I'm whether it's a Christian or a non-believer whoever I'm doing it for I always say if so and so were here now they would want you to know which is absolutely true whether they exactly whether they they're, went up or they went down yeah they're frying like a sausage or they're in glory oh, they're, goodness yeah, gracious yeah. Uh, so wow. this question uh, is connected to the concept of what it is called soul sleep. That's a great question, though. It is. A, it's an yeah. important question. Yeah, it's a deep one. The idea of soul sleep is the idea that when someone dies, they go into what you might describe as a suspended animation at death, and they remain in a state of like this soul sleep until the end when Christ returns, and then at that point in time, he's going to raise people up and they will be raised from their So kind of sleep. like you get on the airplane, you take an Ambien, and you go to sleep go to for sleep. eight yeah, hours and then you wake animation. up in Hamburg. Yeah, kind of yeah. kind of like that. Okay. Uh, we do not believe that and the Bible does not teach that. That's actually a false teaching. Uh, what we believe is that to be dead, to die physically, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. That's from 2 Corinthians 5.8. Immediately upon death... Um, you are in some very clear way departed from this body in this temporal realm and your soul, uh, if that's what you want to call it, some people might refer to a soul and spirit. They might separate those things or they might see those things as one, but your spirit, your soul is with the Lord. Um, we also believe that when the Lord returns to establish his kingdom here upon the earth, he will cause a resurrection in which your mortal corrupted body will be resurrected. If you read first Corinthians 15, Talks about this right around verse 50 and on. And he will raise your corrupted body to be like unto his glorious body. Paul says that in Philippians 3.21. So, so we believe that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord immediately for the believer. For the unbeliever, they are taken to a place awaiting judgment, awaiting the final judgment in which death and hell are cast into the lake that burns with fire. There's a picture, or there's a story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 16 that kind of opens this up a little yeah. bit. Yeah. The story of the rich man and Lazarus, which is a fascinating story. Some people believe it's a parable. Some people believe it's not a parable. And uh, it why is a, risk it? Yeah. I always say. Yeah. It's yeah. a fascinating story. But in that story, you see that the rich man who, you know, fared sumptuously every day in this Sumptuously life, is a great word. King James word. I love it. King Jimmy. He fared sumptuously every sumptuously. day. Sumptuously. And when he died... Excuse me, Miles. I'm going to go home today and fare sumptuously. sumptuously. Well, it is New Year's Eve. You should fare sumptuously. You know what? I've, I'm going to text my wife when this is done. I go, honey, let's I would like to come home sumptuously. and... Let's fare sumptuously. Yes. But make sure that your heart is right with God, because if you fare sumptuously every day in this life and you're not right with God, then you might be carried to a place of torment like the rich man. But Lazarus... Or Weight Watchers, yeah. He was carried to a place of comfort to await the Abraham's bosom. That's what it's called. The King James version. Wow. Place of comfort. Yeah. So we do not believe. In I'm going to be real honest. That sounds a little creepy to me. You're just reading it wrong. You don't understand this sort of stuff. That's okay. I had a friend named Juan. 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 And Juan goes, 
I don't like this whole thing with the bride of Christ. Because <laughs> guys, guys can be challenged. He by said the bride that. He goes, I feel like I such a that. homo. It's oh, that's what God. he said. That's it's what he said. And I said, well, I don't think it's going to be like that. It's figurative. Yeah, figurative. But Good. he was having a hard time with that. Good way of explaining it. It's yeah. figurative. It's a metaphor. Yeah, it's a metaphor. Yeah. So anyway. Anyways, so we will be immediately with the Lord at death. Um, yeah, there's a huge discussion in church history. Surf session, history. a little Taco Bell, hanging with Jesus. I love it. Speaking of Taco Bell, I was passing Del Taco today. They're selling tamales at Del Taco. Oh, I'm sure they're sumptuous. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Not uh, so, so um, yeah, so there throughout Christian history, there's been a discussion on the, the nature of man. Is he made up of body and soul? Is he made up of body, soul, and spirit? This is dichotomy. That's body and soul. Trichotomy, body, soul, spirit, two or three. And then there's another view, monism, which there's just, you're just you. You're one nature, one unity. And uh, we believe in either a dichotomy or a trichotomy, meaning that man I'm is going with the dichondra. I'm with you. Dichondra? Yeah. Yeah, that's the wrong word. Okay. Anyways, I think trichotomy. I'm good with that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of... Body, teasing. soul, spirit. I yeah. wonder if there's such a grass as trichondra. You're crazy. Oh Number eight. Gosh. Okay. Pastor Garrett, I'm blaming. I thought he, Pastor he Garrett did a week. great job. I listened. It was a good message. It was a very good message, and, and he looked really cool in his little Doctor Who outfit. I saw that little silver coat. He was, it looked very silver under the lights. Oh, really? No, it was all normal. It's it like he took it from Doctor silver. Who. Yeah. Yeah. He, no. was, looking, he was looking classy. He was very, very Stay classy. Stay classy, San Diego. Way too cool for us. Kind of scary, actually. I don't know. I might need to get a coat. Uh, yeah. Well, you got a coat. It's just red. <laughs> Not wearing that wow, one. Wow. Yeah. That was a yeah. Okay. Pastor Garrett said that God made us exactly the way we are, knowing the way you were going to be from conception. Does that mean that God makes people gay? Does he create us sinful? I do not believe that God creates people gay or sinful, but... On this point, there needs to be some kind of deconstruction of that statement and this yeah. question. First, the question equates same-sex attraction, because there are some people who say they were born same-sex attracted. Um, so the question equates same-sex attraction with sin, and I wouldn't say that. Though I would say that our nature, after the fall, so Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, they sin, they fall. Through one man, sin enters the world, and death through sin, and death spread to all people. That's Romans chapter 5. Do you think our spiritual DNA was corrupted? I think that from yeah. our entire nature is corrupted yeah. by the fall, so that we are born sinfully inclined, every single one of us. Did and you have people, to teach your kids to get angry? No, actually, they're really good at that. And you yeah. know what else they're, they're good at? They're good at lying. I didn't, I didn't have to teach my kids stealing. to be selfish or raise their voice. Or any I don't of those think things. I taught them to be any of those things. Who knows, though? I mean, they, they are that. I was, too, though. I'm not, I'm not picking no, no, them. No, 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 I'm not. I'm just saying, like, there is that great scene in the Christmas story. Yeah. The one with Ralphie? Yeah. Where he drops the... I noticed one of your neighbors across the street from my yeah, parents' house. They got Ralphie in the rabbit suit out And played a Ralphie, yeah. <laughs> That's so creepy. Uh, where the they lose the lug nuts. Yes. And he drops the F-bomb. He, is that what he said? Because you can't really tell. He, he drops a bad word. He said fudge. Oh, fudge. But it wasn't That's fudge. right. So he drops he the F-bomb. He got the soap in the mouth. And, and 
he didn't want to tell his mom that he learned it from his dad. Oh, goodness. Yes. Yeah. So he says he learned it from a friend. Oh, that is yeah. the greatest phone call in movie history. Yeah. And so the, yeah. And so the kid got, oh, you could so hear the kid good. getting beat on the other line, but he really heard it from his dad. Oh my goodness. Uh, you know what? I remember one of my kids, it was a minor curse word. Yeah. And we're like, where in the world Uh-oh. did you hear that? Let me guess. Chief. No. No. Grandma. Grandma. And she's not a cusser, but she must have said it once. And boy, isn't it funny how a kid can hear. Oh, they pick up on it. One word. Yeah. I'm like, wow. A propensity. So, so, uh, so my we, mom doesn't listen to the podcast, so we're good. Oh, there you go. We are all born sinfully inclined. So some people, they may be born with a same-sex attraction. Um, you know, some people don't believe that people are born that way. Whatever. If it's found that people are born that way, it doesn't matter because... Every single person, whether they are born same-sex attracted or opposite-sex attracted, like most people, um, we, we all are sinfully inclined. So, you know, we're, we're going to sin. So, some, so I make the point that same-sex attraction, I would not say is sin, but homosexual activity, just like heterosexual immorality, they both are sinful as God ordains or as he describes in the scriptures. So people who engage in sexual immorality of any kind they are engaging in sin. So we're all sinfully inclined. We're inclined to lie. We're inclined to steal. We're inclined to get angry with people and rage. We're inclined well, towards all kinds of I was going to say, you can pull the gay word out and you can put gossip. Right, You can yeah. put, ang- you know, cause strife, anger. Um, and know. we are sinfully inclined because of Adam's disobedience and sin. Stinking Adam. So God yeah. created us with the capacity. He created Adam and Eve with the capacity of choice. And Adam, what was that? That was me kicking something. Oh my goodness. Oh, Adam. It's one of your 14 water, water bottles, bottles laying around here. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I need to clean out my yeah. car. No, no, no. Nah, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Anyway, so. Next guy, I'll get it. You're good. Adam had the choice originally to follow and serve the Lord or to, you know, choose not to. And he willfully chose to use that choice in a disobedient action against the command of God. And as a result of his willful action, Adam sinned. And after Adam sinned, we are all born inclined to sin. Some people would say that we are born sinners which is the doctrine of original sin. Other people would say that we are born with a broken will and we're inclined to sin, but we do not actually sin until we sin. Uh, But because of brokenness, we will sin. Um, However you dice that tomato, at the end of the day... I've heard it both ways. We're going to sin. Yeah. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. We all need Jesus. All right. Cool. Yeah, I'm there. Yeah. Okay, number nine. Is fasting important and necessary? Hmm. At this time of the year, it might be necessary. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I'm going on a ride Saturday with some of the guys. A bike mountain ride. bike ride, yeah. I told my God, you're going to have to help me get on my bike, man. It's just like, when was the last ride? Well, I rode... Because it rained, I rode two weeks ago. I did so you're almost, fasting from mountain bike riding. Well, I did 20, 20 miles, but man, yeah. Oh, man, I'm not looking forward to the next 20 miles. Well, I, I was running pretty solidly. Yeah. And then I, I pulled a muscle in my calf. Oh. But I had already signed up for a half marathon. So I took two and a half, three weeks off of running. Yeah. And then I ran the half marathon on December 21st, a few days before Christmas. How'd that go? It, you know, I finished my goal because I, I couldn't train the last three weeks. I figured, all right, I'm going to change my goal. I was just say, if I'm under two hours, I'm good. So I was four minutes under two hours. Oh, so good. I made it under two hours. Okay. 
So, um, how many 70 year old guys passed you up? Oh, probably tons. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I decided I'm just going to look down and not pay attention to the people passing me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's when yeah. the guy passed you in the wheelchair. It's just rough. Man. There actually yeah. were people because yeah. they have this whole cool group of people who, you know, they take people who are in wheelchairs and That's most of the time awesome. kids on the run. There were several that passed me, but here's the thing I did notice they have a runner and a co-runner and they switch off. So I was like, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm going to count it. They, they didn't really pass me. That's not fair. They were like dual horsepower. Yeah. No, yeah. no. That's like having an extra engine. Oh, but anyway, so after the, the uh, half marathon, the San Diego holiday half marathon, I decided I'm taking a break until after the first of the year. So I'm fasting from running. Right okay. Now. So that was necessary. So yeah. this is a good point. Let's talk about what fasting is real quick. Yeah. So it's not just, when we think of fasting, Yeah. the first thing we think about it's is- food. Abstaining from food. And and I think that it's a good point to say that not all fasting is fasting from food. Correct. Right. So uh, you can fast other things. I think sometimes do people kind of confuse this with Lent a little bit? Well, maybe. I yeah. mean, we'll be coming into that time of the year here very shortly where people will, especially in a more traditional liturgical church, will observe Lent. Um, that's the 40 days leaning up to um, Good Friday. So the overall, just so we're clear with people, the overall reason to fast is to draw closer to the Lord, correct? I would say, yeah. It's an yeah. afflicting of your soul. So something that's a little the inconvenient flesh. or something we need to pay attention or something that gnaws at us a little bit, uh, maybe hurts a little bit, To and we take that time and we direct our thoughts and our hearts towards the Lord. Is that fair to say? Yeah. So the question says, is it important and necessary? I think it's both important, and I think it might even be necessary in some sense, but I'm not willing to say that it's essential. However, like what we're saying... Mm-hmm. Um, not all fasting is fasting from food. And there've been a number of times that I've been interacting with Christians in my conversation with them. I can tell that there are certain things in their life that are gripping their attention or their appetites excessively. And it's kind of like, Hey, you know, you might want to consider a 10 day or 30 day fast from the news, a fast from social media, uh, a fast from technology, a fast from shopping, Amazon prime, you know, some people get so absorbed with these things that they dominate their attention. Their thought life, yeah. Right. And all they're thinking about is that. And you can become that way with food or anything where it just right. dominates your attention. And that's an area where your flesh is being dominated by something that is temporal. And to shift and focus on things that are spiritual, it might be a good thing to set that aside for a time. But the issue is with fasting because there's a whole bunch of people in our culture right now that are into fasting from food oh, yeah? purely for health reasons. It has nothing to do with spiritual reasons. You know, there's the uh, intermit- intermittent fasting, which I've done for a number of years, where you fast for 16 or 18 hours a day. Um, but a lot of people just do this for, you know, physical health reasons. And there's a lot of health benefits from fasting from food. But if you're going to do this in a proper spiritual way, then you will fast from some of these things that maybe have a an inordinate grasp on your attention and your time. You'll fast from these things and replace whatever that thing is with time spent with the Lord. Right. In prayer, in the scriptures, whatever it may be. So it's kind of like change if you're if if it's kind of like when a person changes how they eat and the exercise, it's a double threat, so to speak. Right. Because one's helping the other. Right. So uh, let's say I know some people that needed to fast from social media. Uh-huh. Uh, it was bumming them out. They were looking at it every eight seconds, all these things. And then they put themselves in a position where they're not looking or checking their social media, but they're actually 
praying or reading the word or just spending some time alone with the Lord, um, they're on an accelerated program back to where they need to be, so to speak. Right. And so um, there's... There's a really good Bible passage on this, um, Isaiah 58. Um, it's, it's a bit of a read, but I think it's worth reading. Uh, Isaiah says, Shout it aloud and do not hold back. Raise up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek, um, they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways. So they have this kind of perception that they're really seeking after the Lord. As if they were a nation that does what is right and not forsaken the commandments of God. They ask for is just God decisions. Being, is God being facetious there? Kind of. Yeah. They seem eager. They seem eager for God to come near to them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it, God? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? <laughs> Yet on the, the day, question. Yeah. on the day of your fasting, yeah. you do as you please and you exploit all your workers. So here they're saying, we did all the right things, God. We fasted. We humbled ourselves and you didn't come through. So qu- clearly their fast is to try and force God to do what they wanted him to do. It's like we're on a hunger strike with God. So he says, verse four, Isaiah 58, your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking one another with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast that I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Um, is it not for the bowing of one's head like a reed or the lying of sackcloth and ashes? So He's saying the point of this is for you to humble yourself before the Lord, and you haven't done that at all. Is that what you call a fast and an acceptable day of the Lord? So he goes on to say, this is what I'm actually looking for. I'm I'm looking for you to not only fast, but to loose the chains of injustice, unite the cords of the yoke, the oppressed, the free, break every yoke. So do what's right. So you can't fast and then binge on some other unspiritual thing. You're supposed to replace... The unspiritual with the spiritual. So, you know, you drop Facebook and then you start boozing it up or what? I guess so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I got really fit. I stopped I stopped eating overeating, but now I smoke like a chimney. chimney. Yeah. 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 That's not healthy. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. The fasting Read Isaiah thing 58. Is, is good. And I think, uh, I don't know. I don't let people know if I'm fasting. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to look trying to try act like I'm being holy or anything. I just want to do it. Yeah, kind of keep it to myself. I think it's not a bad thing to make it a normal part of your disciplines spiritually, and maybe that's a spiritual a fast from social media or technology or Netflix or entertainment or shopping or food or right. all of the above or baseball. Who knows? Uh, yeah, yeah. We're fasting from the Chargers. <laughs> An extended fast. That was, no, I, I'm I'm voting that was an exorcism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, let me tell you how much grief has gone out of my life. There you know you what? Go. You know, you deserve to go to Carson. You abandon us. There it is. Oh well, gosh, what are we going to have our listeners? Do they? Do, should we have them talk about what they would fast, or uh, or you know what? Or would you like them to come up and say, "I'm living sumptuously"? Ah, yes, live sumptuously. Yes. As unto the Lord. As unto the Lord. There's feasting and there's fasting. There you go. Yeah. And right now we're in a time of feasting. But the new year is dawning. So Tomorrow. So it's time for a fast. Like I told people in the beginning of the announcements, buy a bag of salad on the way home because there's going to be a run on it for the next few days. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. give it a week. It'll be back in stores. And I was thinking about the, the gyms around here, 24-hour fitness, all those places. They get really slammed the first two weeks of a year. Oh, I see it on they the make, trails. They make all of their money. The trail is, is it, it's going to be loaded with people. Yeah. And then about two weeks later, 
we'll yeah, have them the rapture, back to ourselves. The rapture happens. It's like the trail rapture, yeah. yeah that's exactly what it is, yeah. the gym rapture. So, well, cool. yeah. Happy New Year. Maybe next week we'll talk about our resolutions. How we've already broken them? Or maybe we've even made, I don't know, I haven't made any yet. Okay, well, people can come and tell us what their resolution is. There you go. That's what one. I want to know, what their resolution is. We want is. to know what your resolution is, if you have one. Happy New Year. I say, listen Stay to the podcast safe. every week. That's what That's I think. That's a good resolution. Yeah. And five stars. There you go. Oh, by the way. Cinco Estrellas? What? Somebody gave us a three-star review. I'm thinking they must have slipped and accidentally done it. <sighs> wow. That's heart, not very nice. My heart is broken. I've been blue for like three weeks now just thinking about that. That's just not right. Actually, I only just saw it today, so it hasn't been three weeks. You know what? They, they, that's like a heathen terrorism. Heathen. Yeah. Probably doesn't have a Christmas tree. Probably not. Gosh. God bless you. They'd probably ignore a puppy that was walking down the street. I think so. All no, lonely and sad. Three star. No man. compassion. We should move on. Happy New Year. I'm going to sleep great. I'm going to go live sumptuously. Peace out. Feliz Navidad.